We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Rob Vieira, the owner of the ninth place team in the 2019 FFPC main event, a contest that will award more than $3.1 million in prizes including an industry-record $500,000 grand prize. Over the last three years alone in the FFPC, Vieira's winnings total nearly $120,000. In this episode, he and I break down the impact of Demarcus Robinson on lineups going forward, why getting a top-three tight end was so important this year, and much more. You can follow Vieira on Twitter at RobV16. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is the 2019 FFPC Main Event Week 2 ninth place team owner, Rob Vieira. The Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown is one Rob Vieira, a guy who is well. Rob, I mean, the, the list of your accomplishments goes goes on and on and on. But you've had success at the best ball level, the Football Guys Players Championship level, and and the main event level. And and now here you are again, two weeks into the FFPC main event, and you're what ninth place? I want to say ninth overall out of twenty four hundred teams. Is that correct? Yeah, I got one that's uh, one that's doing okay. One that's well, it's more than okay. It's really, I mean, like let's listen. It's eight spots away from it, winning a half million bucks in December. So there's got to be, there's got to be something there. You got to be pretty proud of that one. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. 
I had a top four last year, which uh, was a juju fumble away from winning the uh, winning the whole. Set. Uh, how, hope this is the year. How how did that happen? That the the Smith Schuster fumble, and not not to open up old wounds here, but what what exactly happened on that? Yeah, it's a tough one. So it was obviously the last week. And my team, I'm not even sure if I was in the top 20 going in, so I wasn't even paying attention. And I was out to dinner with the family, and my son pulls it up, and he's like, Dad, I think you're in third place. <laughs> and uh, he pulled it up, and I don't know if you remember, but the Saints-Steelers game was ridiculous. I think Antonio Brown had about 50 points, who I had. Juju had over 20. Ben was huge. Michael Thomas was huge. I had all of them going. So I think I had put up over 250 points already. And Juju got them in the field goal position to tie it with, I don't know, 20 seconds left or something like that and fumbled. But if they kicked the field goal and tied it, I had all those guys going and easily would have gotten the whatever 10 or 12 points I needed. But I, I had so I was playing with the house money there, I guess. Well, still, that's that's unbelievable, man. Wow, I did not realize that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'll it'll make it all the sweeter this year if if you, if you win the the half million, which which I wish you good luck on. And and let's talk a, a little bit about the team that you have put forth to try to do that. And uh, th- this team that's in ninth place overall, you go McCaffrey at the 102, and then coming back in the second round, you take Zach Ertz from, from Philadelphia. In your opinion, and I think this is sort of a hot-button issue for a lot of people in in the FFPC leagues coming into to, to drafting season, how crucial was it for you to get either Kelsey, Ertz, or Kittle here in the first two or three rounds when you were drafting your main event teams? Yeah, I was absolutely targeting getting at least one of those guys because I didn't want to have a team where I'm you know, guessing each week whether or not I can start a tight end and or which tight end to start. And really only those first three, maybe four, if you consider Ingram in that almost that second tier, um, were the most likely to earn that that auto start. And when you look at the ADP, there were a ton of landmines, at least when I did this draft, because I drafted this team in that first weekend. Um, so that's when AB was going there, Damian Williams, Freeman, Fournette, carry on. Even Thielen and Evans have have really underperformed versus expectations. So, gladly uh, gladly scoop up Ertz there. Yeah, and it wasn't. I guess like the other thing is too is as much as you know people talk about. Well, I really want one of the top three tight ends. You know, sometimes that's only part of the conversation. The other part of the conversation is you have to look at who's going around there. And if and right. if you're not in love with any of those backs or receivers, then tight end. Even if you're not accustomed to going with tight end in an FFPC format, tight end sometimes is is the way to go. And it certainly was here for you with Ertz. Yeah, no doubt. I definitely tend to be tight end loving. I've been with FFPC for basically since I think the second year. Um, so I love the format and I, I hate getting stuck with, uh, like I said, with guessing who to, who to throw in there. So yeah, I was very, very pleased to get one there. I would have loved to get Kittle coming back, but it didn't happen. And, and Robin, I'll, I'll say this not to keep the, you know, going down this tight end road here, but even like in the leagues I play in that are not tight end premium, I mean, I still like wanted one of those top three tight ends this year, and it obviously didn't fall my way every single time. But I, I got a good number. I, I probably have more Kittle than I care to admit, um, and I know I got Kelsey in, in certain spots and Ertz in certain spots. So even if you're you're playing in a non-tight end premium format, you know, oftentimes to to get one of the more elite tight ends is is proves more 
uh, financially uh, viable, or, or uh, fin uh, I don't want to say financially viable, but uh, maybe financially rewarding at the end of the season than trying to get one of the also rans, you know, one of the, you know, like say a top 10 tight end instead of a top three or a top 15 tight end instead of a, you know, even a top four or five. I think like getting elite at the tight end position, not that you necessarily need to go overboard, but I think that often proves, proves to be pretty fruitful. Yeah, no doubt. I play in one non FFPC league. It's the friends league that I've been doing for shoot, probably 20 years. And it's my Kansas city friends from when I lived in Kansas city. And I took Kelsey in the first round, even though I'm the one of two owners that no longer lives in Kansas city and uh, scooped him up gladly. And so far so good there. Uh, DJ Moore, let's talk about the receivers here. He went seven picks before you drafted Curtis Samuel in this league at the six eleven. Um, as we flash forward and, and look into the Vieira crystal ball here coming up in December, how close in fantasy points do you think Samuel and, and Moore will finish uh, apart from each other when it's all said and done? Yeah, I was very high on both guys and Cam for that matter. And I wound up with a ton of shares, especially in the best balls with with both those guys, probably more so Samuel, just because he was cheaper. Um, and, you know, right now, Moore's got a 24-17 advantage in targets. And I think that ratio will narrow some. But to me, Moore is still in a different tier, probably at least a couple points per game better than uh, than Samuel. How does this change with, with Cam Newton and his foot now that we know that he is questionable for Sunday? He certainly could miss more time than that, depending upon what reports uh, you're reading out there. How does Cam Newton not being in there, and whether it's you know Kyle Allen or, or Will Greer or whoever it is at Carolina, how does it affect Moore and Samuel as far as your fantasy lineups going forward if Newton is not starting? Yeah, I, I, like I said, I was very high on Cam. I thought the shoulder thing was be, you know past him. Um, but he looked almost as bad as last year, uh, last, last Thursday night. So I don't know, you know, I, I thought Greer might have a chance coming out and then he tanked in the preseason. It sounds like the other guy's going to play. Um, so I think it's, it's like, you know, a lot of these teams where they lost their starter, the whole ship is going to kind of sink a little bit. So I'm a little less bullish on everyone there and hope, hoping that Cam's foot gets right. And then he becomes Cam again real soon. Are you, I mean, is it like a significant downgrade for Moore and Samuel? If Because obviously you're still playing McCaffrey if you own him, no matter what, yep. no matter who the quarterback is. But I look at yep. guys like, like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, and I guess in a tight end premium format, we could bring Greg Olson in the conversation. But are these guys like all of a sudden, you know, they go from every week, well, I don't want to say every week starts, but pretty close to every week starts. Um, do they go from from that to okay uh, until I see something from from the new quarterback throwing to him, I got to keep him on my bench? Or are you still rolling him out there, given that nobody's on by yet? Yeah. So I base I had been starting more no matter what, and Samuel has actually been on my a lot of my benches. Um, this week I'm gonna roll them both out there going against the cards. I kind of like that matchup, um, but I could. Uh, that could change after that. I'm hoping that Cam will be back by hopefully this week even, but uh, definitely by next. Yeah, I, I invested uh, a lot into DJ Moore this year, significantly into Curtis Samuel as well. So I am definitely with you in uh, pulling for Curtis, or excuse me, pulling from Cam Newton. I'm willing to go to Charlotte and offer a foot massage. I don't know if that's what it's going to take, Rob, but I'm, I'm willing to offer my services in doing that. Of course, knowing me, that would probably only make it worse. Let's talk about a different <laughs> receiver that actually got off to a, a quick start for you this season. You're your 902 pick in uh, the uh, Dallas Cowboys receiver, Michael Gallup. It's a tough break for you, for me, anybody else who owned Gallup this 
year, as well as the Cowboys, really, to lose him for the next two to four weeks as far as what it's being reported right now. Where do you think the targets go in Dallas? Uh, is it just more for Cooper, more for Elliott, more for Witten? Is is Devin Smith involved in this? I mean, does he become viable? Is there anybody like Smith worth picking up and starting until we see the return of Michael Gallup to this lineup? Yeah, so, I mean, I think the, the obvious answer is the bulk of the slack is going to get picked up by Zeke now that they are going to remove the, the holdout shackles. Um, in terms of targets, I can't say Cobb. I know Dave finally convinced me last year in his words in a student analysis that Cobb sucks. Um, <laughs> so uh, I finally got there. Um, I had been intrigued with Devin Smith coming out of school, even though he's a Buckeye. Um, but then, you know, after numerous injuries and he was out of the NFL for a while before landing a league minimum futures contract with the Cowboys. Um, so he, he was off my radar until he made the team. Um, and he does, you know, he's got some DJX traits and potential. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him put up an occasional spike week, but to answer your question, I'm not, I don't plan on picking him up or anyone up and starting them, um, hoping Hoping Gallup gets back on the shorter end of that that two to four weeks, and I think most of it's just going to be spread out amongst the guys that are already there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think it's it's a whole question of uh, you know the passing pie there down there doesn't necessarily get bigger or smaller. They're just cutting it into fewer pieces now, and and it it certainly helps Elliott, certainly helps Cooper, Witten, and and then the rest of the existing guys there. I think you know it'll be interesting to see. And and this and and for anybody who's listening, I think I say this just about every week during the season on the high stakes lowdown. We're recording this prior to the FFPC waivers going through on Wednesday night. Um, you're listening to this after they've already gone through and you're you're seeing who, who went already and who got bought off the waiver wire. But I'll, I'll be certainly interested to see where Devin Smith goes as far as FFPC waivers go on Wednesday night. Uh, and, and, okay, let's bring it back, Rob, here to to the tight end discussion we kind of talked about uh, early on. Now, you had mentioned Evan Engram sort of on the second tier, but after two weeks of play uh, for the tight ends, I mean, Evan Engram, he, he, he's basically been on a tier by himself um, over the first two weeks with all of the targets he's been getting, and he's been taking advantage of that. The 411 pick for you in this draft, Evan Engram, is he going to keep up his big-time production now that Daniel Jones is going to be throwing him passes over Eli Manning? How do you see Engram's value changing if it changes at all yeah evan ingram at 411 was as you would put it nom 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 yeah nom 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 very tasty yeah so i'm i'm very confident that he's going to continue to lead the giants and targets you know at least until shepherd and tater back so then it comes down to you know who's going to get him the ball and tip of the cap to eli for a fantastic career but you know, the drop back and crumple technique that he's perfected over the last few years has me yearning for, you know, an unproven rookie from a hoop school, frankly. So uh, I think Jones is more apt to actually get passes off. So as long as Ingram maintains his his share of targets, I'd expect him to continue to, to pay off at that 411. Yeah, and the other thing, too, working to his advantage, you know, Daniel Jones is making his first start this week. So he's getting first team starts uh, this week, and he is not going to have the I think luxury is the wrong term, but he's not going to have the ability, let's say, to throw to Sterling Shepard, who's out with the concussion, Golden Tate, who's out with the suspension. So there is yep. something to be said that as a rookie quarterback, oftentimes not only do these guys sort of lean on one receiver and use one receiver as a crutch, but oftentimes it is a tight end. And when you have one as talented as Evan Engram, 
uh, you could certainly make the case that that Engram's value could could even slightly go up more. Uh, you know, I think Barkley and Engram are, are clearly the two playmakers on this offense, and and we'll see what happens with Engram. But I think you know going forward, as you said, we've seen what Eli Manning can do with Evan Engram. We've seen what he can do with the Giants' offense, and I, I think it's going to be very exciting to see what Daniel Jones can do, and not only just what he can do, but what he can do with Evan Engram and how he makes him uh, or keeps him fantasy viable uh, going forward. No question question um do you uh you you look at the a, a eighth round pick here uh rob in in this ffpc main event draft where you're in ninth place do you is it too early to say boy i wish i had that 811 pick of of marquez valdez scantling back i, I should have gone somebody else there or is it still too early i mean is this packers offense sort of just still feeling things out uh with rogers finally getting you know under center uh on a real football field here as he missed the entire preseason um, and now getting in tune with his receivers. You think the first two games are simply just the, the preseason for Rodgers and this Packers offense, and, and MVS is going to turn it on when they have softer matchups? Or, or, or how, do you, how do you see MVS's numbers uh, sort of um, uh, flowing throughout this season and where he ends up at at the end of 2019? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there are some guys that, you know, if I had the luxury to swap out, uh, I would do so, but I usually tend to overdraft those guys who play in that season opening game just because you get that do over option, which is pretty valuable. This year it kind of backfired. <laughs> it was drafted. Nobody sit, right? Fair. Yeah, nobody, nobody basically put up startable numbers. Um, but in terms of his value going forward, you know, the pack have basically, or at least arguably, faced the top two defenses in the league in Chicago and Minnesota. Um, then you factor in, like you said, that Rodgers didn't take a snap in the preseason and, you know, new coaching and all that. So Rodgers is still an elite quarterback. He had, you know, another one of those throws that only he and Mahomes can make um, this past week. So I'll gladly take his wide receiver, too, at that point. And, you know, I fully expect MBS to to turn things up here going forward. Yeah, it's interesting because I spent, you know, I, I do this um the, this uh, afternoon talk show here in Northeast Wisconsin on local radio, and and people would would often say, you know, uh, uh, regarding the receivers, uh, you know, who's the number two guy? Who who's? And it was sort of like either going to be Allison or or Valdez Scantling throughout this this whole summer. And I originally I kind of thought it was Allison because I thought he'd be playing a ton of the slot, and in yeah. Lafleur's offense they they tend to throw that way a lot. Um, but then I kind of, you know, I sided with talent and, and I sided with pedigree and, and I thought it was going to be Marquez Valdez Scantling. And now here I am two, two weeks into the season, I'm ready to be like, well, it's just Adams and Jones on this offense. And then that's it. But you bring up a good point. I mean, like these could be the two best uh, defenses they potentially face all season. And granted they have to face them each once more, but to get right. off to two and oh, and, 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 you know, I, I think that plays a huge role into it. Ha, you know, the Packers will be trailing at some point this year, and maybe that's when Valdez Scantling breaks off. But I, I know that a lot of the coaches and a lot of the uh, pundits up here uh, in, you know, the Northeast Wisconsin really love Marquez Valdez Scantling. And I think like, and Rob, I think you'd agree with not only is, is, is he just the number two for Aaron Rodgers? But I mean, he's he's a pretty talented receiver and 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 still developing his game. Yeah, no doubt. And to be honest, I was actually on Allison slightly more. Um, I I like to get shares in offenses where they've got quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, so I have a bunch of both of them. Um, but for the, all the reasons that you said, the fact that Allison was in the slot, the fact that that coordinator uh, tends to to throw there and the fact that Allison actually performed well in the small sample that he had where MVS kind of tailed off last year 
Um, I definitely have more best ball shares of Allison than I do uh, MVS. But after seeing two weeks when, you know, MVS was, was dinged up that first game. So he, you know, started off well and then wasn't in the game that much. Um, and Allison, frankly, wasn't seeing the field much. They had a lot of two receiver sets and he wasn't on there. So I'm, I'm firmly back in the MVS camp. And I think he is starting to realize some of that potential that everyone's been waiting for. So I'm pretty excited about the prospect of, uh, in fact, I think I'm throwing him out there this week to, to play. Yeah. And, and we'll see what happens against Denver. I know they are, I think they're seven and a half point favorites. The last time I saw, boy, I couldn't believe that Bradley Chubb and, and Von Miller have combined for zero sacks on the season. That That's just insane to me, uh, given how talented those guys are as pass rushers. But maybe it's the fact that, that those receivers that Denver has been going up against um, have been getting open, and there, there just has not been time for Chubb and, and Miller to get to the quarterback. And then when guys like Chubb do, they flag uh, roughing the, the passer on them uh, <laughs> late in the game too. So that that's certainly not helping Denver any. But, yeah, certainly we will be paying attention to Allison v. MVS going forward. Mason Rudolph, let's talk about him because he is the new quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Are you putting in any bids for him this week? And, and again, I want to – uh, emphasize that no one is going to hear this be- before uh, before the waiver deadline. But Mason Rudolph, are you putting in any bids for him? And does this change, does the fact that he is going to be the quarterback seemingly for the rest of the season for Pittsburgh, uh, does that change what you're doing with any of the Steelers' offensive players for fantasy, be it Connor or Smith-Schuster, uh, James Washington or Vance McDonald, anybody like that, Dante Moncrief? Is that changing anything now that Rudolph is in there? Yeah, so I mentioned that I have a lot of cam shares, um, have a share or two of Ben, and I typically only carry one quarterback. So I will be out on the wire this week picking up somebody. Um, I'm frankly not that high on Rudolph, so he'll probably not be terribly high in the list. Um, but I tend to to not care that much about quarterbacks, so I'll likely put in a bunch of $1 bids and be fine with whoever I get. Um in terms of the, the impact on the offense, you know, we talked about it a little bit with Cam. And this is another one where, you know, there's a Hall of Fame quarterback that's no longer there. And Ben is very unique in how he keeps plays alive. So I think the entire offense takes a big hit other than, you know, maybe his college teammate and preseason hero, James Washington, who, you know, they clearly have some chemistry. So maybe he gets a slight bump. Um, you still need to start Juju every week, but with lower expectations. Um, but with all the, the at least the pass catchers, you know, Vance, Washington, Deontay, Moncrief, those guys are, are sketchy starts at best without Ben doing his thing. I think you have to continue to roll out Connor and or Samuels, depending on who's starting. Um, but the, again, that the whole, whole tide kind of sinks that a little bit. So um, not, not terribly bullish on the Steelers offense, which I traditionally uh, have profited greatly from <laughs> Rob, let me ask you, so so getting back to the quarterback discussion between Gardner Minshew, uh, Mason Rudolph, um, uh, Daniel Jones, um, Teddy Bridgewater, is there not a, a whole lot of difference between any of those four guys for you right now off the waiver wire for a guy you know like you who uh, in some of his leagues is in the market for a quarterback? Yeah, like I said, I, so I did bids for a couple of my FPCs already, just trying to get those prepped in. Like I said, I put all $1 bids. I think those guys are even lower because there's still some Staffords, you know, some more proven guys that may have even better matchups. But again, I'll, I'll throw my buck out there and get whoever nobody else wants and be fine with slotting them in for a week. 
Good for you. I love that. The the, the one dollar bid on quarter. You know, I I don't think I could do it. I, I just I you know, Rob. When I when I'm placing my 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 waiver bids, I I tend to be well. I don't think I can't remember the last time I bid more than a dollar in a kicker for bye week or injury or whatever. But I I hate even spending money on defenses. You know, if if there's a good defensive matchup, um, there was one league a thousand dollar fab this week, and um, I think I bid like sixty like 63 or 64 dollars on the Patriots defense and I got obviously a massive game from and I still all all I was thinking about Monday I'm like ah man I wish I had that 60 bucks back even though it was like a massive score for me to get the Patriots defense but yeah certainly with the quarterbacks man like I I need to take a page out of your book if and there is a couple of leagues I I was uh, telling a, a couple of buddies this week where I had a couple of teams where my two quarterbacks were I waited on quarterback and my two quarterbacks are Breeze and Roethlisberger so I have some work to do there and the thing that stinks about that is you know not necessarily that you know I'll I'll obviously cut Roethlisberger because he's going on IR but at what point do you drop Drew Brees because you know keeping him on the roster till like week 10 or week 11 for a guy who is what the 13th 12th or 13th quarterback off the board is it really worth keeping him around when you know that you're gonna have to be playing um you know uh replacements at running back and receivers and tight ends for for uh for for bye weeks and injuries and everything like that breeze uh, to me and not a lot of people are talking about this i think it might be a bit of a struggle to keep them on rosters yeah so a couple comments first on the defense so i've already expressed how i'm i tend to be cheap when i'm bidding but i spend triple digits for the uh patriots good for you i had them on uh i think 10 of my 18 main event teams so that was a good week but it was frankly it was mostly um, laziness and you know I like their go <laughs> for like the next five weeks so I'm like I'm just gonna put one big bid know that I'm gonna get them and I think the second highest bid was like you know eleven dollars maybe um, so I definitely overspent but now I don't have to worry about streaming for over half my team so I did the same thing with the FPC so I'm I'm kind of covered there on uh, on defense in terms of breeze do you keep them or not I I don't you know I've already kind of expressed that for me there's there's always quarterbacks that you can play that are out there on the waiver wire. So to, to chew up a roster spot for, you know, over half the season um, for Drew Brees, you know, if it was Mahomes or something, heck yeah. But for Brees, no, I'd throw him out there and, and take that spot and, you know, take some running back handcuff or something who might may actually win you the league. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. And it, it's going to be weird to, to, to cut him knowing that, that Thomas and Kamara are still on that team. But you're right. I mean, it, it's it's a short season. Um, when, when you're talking about the FFPC or, or you know, and some of the leagues I play in, we're having an 11-week regular season, you know, K- Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, that's that's what we're dealing with there. Uh, so I, I think you, you kind of need to be aggressive and, and know that, um, listen, outside of Thomas and Kamara, there's, there's not going to be a whole lot uh, on that Saints offense, and, and there is going to be uh, things that you need to be taking care of with your roster going forward. Getting back to New Orleans, Traquan Smith, Latavius Murray, Jared Cook, are any of these guys startable with Bridgewater in your opinion? No, I'm 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 a Vikes fan, so I'm really pulling for Teddy. I think he's a good dude. I'd love to see him be successful, but again, another one of these first ballot Hall of Famers who's no longer slinging the rock. So I, you know, none of those guys, frankly, were doing much even with Breeze at the helm. So to think that they're somehow going to turn around, I've got enough Cook shares that I'd like to see it. But based on how he looked last week, he he's reverted to his 
horrible form of most of his career. So uh, I do not have high expectations. He's, he's getting back to the Jared Cook we know and love, basically. Well, <laughs> no one, maybe not love. Um, let's, speaking of not loving, your pros versus Joe's team is in a predicament that you informed me uh, of. There's there's some significant injuries. I, you have several players on IR. There, there could be more players going on IR. Can you tell us a little bit about that and sort of your outlook on, on still being able or having the potential to win that league there to get that free 2020 FFPC main event? Yeah, I am in uh, first down punt formation for this uh, <laughs> for this game. I do not see a, a repeat title. In my defense, I was sandwiched between Smola and Bloom in the draft, so I never got any value. Whenever anything started to slide, I you know I was basically calling their shot, and of course they were sniping me on both sides. And then yeah, like I mentioned, I lost four guys to IR before they even kicked off the first uh, game. So that team, I think I I may have been in second like after week one, but it's gone downhill already quickly and there's really no, no promise. So what can you do? It's a best ball. Can't do anything. Yeah. It's a best ball. I mean, and, and I was talking to, um, uh, Rob Levin actually, who was on the high stakes fantasy football hour this past Friday about, um, some, you know, some of the injuries that he was dealing with. He was fourth place overall in, in the main going into week two. And he said that some of them are starting to hit him hard. And, and you know, some of my teams have not been bit by the injury bug yet. And granted, there's going to be a small minority of, of teams that really aren't bit by the injury bug all season. But by and large, Rob, we're all going to have to deal with injuries. And that's why I think, you know, drafting deep teams is 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 paramount to, to winning a six-figure grand prize. I mean, you have to be able to do that. So even though, and this is my message for you and and, and a lot of the teams that are dealing with injuries right now, Things will even out, maybe not to the degree you hope they will, but I got to believe that as the season gets deeper and, and guys are getting more beat up, uh, these injury things are, are sort of going to even out or get closer to even out after a while. Yeah, no doubt. What is the, uh, or I should say, who is the main player, uh, if the, if any, or maybe there's more than one player, that you're actually aggressively bidding on uh, on the waiver wire this week? I know it's not a quarterback. I know it's not a kicker or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> but, is, but is there somebody that you're targeting? There, there really isn't. I, I mean, I think the the two guys that people are going to hopefully blow their budget on are probably Demarcus Robinson and maybe Aguilar, um, based on last week's results. And I have a ton of both of those guys in best ball, so I'm hoping for good things. Um, but I just don't, you know, I don't think either of those guys are more than a a great dart throw. If you're hurting at flex, they're not guys that you dial up each week, knowing they're going to get double digit targets and and play. So I tend to, you know, try to preserve my buying my buying power for later in the season when I'm hopefully prepping a team for a championship tournament versus you know trying to get a sort of a dart throw uh, depth guy at this point. So I expect it to be kind of like John Ross and um, McLaurin, who I was actually a little higher on last week, um, but not high enough to be as aggressive as necessary. Um, and I think these guys are even a notch below that. So. Uh, I will be on the sidelines watching people hopefully chew up their uh, their budgets. Let's let let's briefly just talk about Demarcus Robinson because I, I think a lot of people are going to be very excited about him. I think that you're right that that a lot of people will be blowing a lot of their budget on drafting or excuse me on picking him up off the waivers uh, this week. Is it is the reason that you're kind of staying away because there's still Kelsey there? You know Tyreek Hill will be back in you know whatever four or five weeks. 
Um, you still have Sammy Watkins. You still have those, you know, Damian Williams and, and maybe Darwin Thompson gets a little bit more run this week. Is it just the fact that Patrick Mahomes is so good at spreading it around that Robinson will never be a focal point of that offense? Because to me, if he is the number two receiver on that team and he, and he sort of um, cements himself as such, he's definitely a guy that, that I'm, I'm going to be looking at, maybe not necessarily starting a week, but definitely a guy that I would be looking at, at flexing out until Tyreek Hill gets back. Tell us a little bit about why Robinson is not a priority for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I think even after the game, they, they interviewed Mahomes, and he talked about the fact that I throw it to who's open. You know, Sammy went off week one and then was relatively quiet on a decent number of targets week two, and he said, it's just I throw it to the guy who's open. So I think he'll probably get a little more respect from – the next defense that they play and, you know, maybe Hardman goes off this next week, or I think, you know, Kelsey is always going to get his, I think Sammy is, you know, at the point he's always going to get his targets Um, and the running backs, whether it's shady or Williams or Thompson or whoever, they're going to get theirs, but trying to guess if Hardman or um, Robinson or whoever is going to hit that week to me again, love, I have, I was taking Robinson in every best ball, you know, in the the last couple of rounds, um, especially earlier in the year. Um, So love those guys for best ball, not so much for managed. Let's uh, and Rob, you've been very gracious with your time this week. And I certainly appreciate you sitting in with me and and talking a little fantasy football tonight. Is there, as I, as I leave you with this question, is there a player in, in week three uh, here that, that you think a lot of players are, are going to be starting uh, that maybe like an early round pick that you think should actually be on benches. And then also another player that you think, um, has a, a lot of sleeper potential this week based on matchup or opportunity or what have you that a lot of uh, FFPC players are going to bench that actually should be in their starting lineups. Yeah, so we actually just talked about the first one. So I think anyone who pays up, and I think you're going to have to really pay up to get Robinson, you're going to put him in the lineup. So I think you're going to see him in nearly all, you know, 100% of lineups for the for the main event and for the FPC. Um, but I think Roto listeners know the golden rule, which is thou shalt not chase points. And, you know, if you look at that that stone tablet, it's got a picture of D-Rob on it. So I'm going to pass uh, pass on that. On the flip side, I think a lot of people are, you know, it's that, that recency bias. A lot of people are likely going to sit Josh Gordon after his 3.9-point uh, game performance this past week. You know, it was a, a blowout win with the Pats. They were forcing A.B. on us. Um, but Gordon still played 79% of the snap. So, and he was shadowed by the, the lone remaining NFL caliber player in the Dolphins, Xavier Howard. So I think when you get rid of Howard, um, you know, Gordon has some major bounce back upside going against the, the hapless Jets this week. So I think a lot of people are going to see that, that 3.9 points and say, yeah, I'm going to look elsewhere. I'll, I'll throw a dart at Robinson or somebody else. Um, but I think Gordon has just as much or more uh, upside. I like it. I, li- I like it. I mean, I don't have Gordon in, in a lot of spots this year, but I'm, I'm certainly looking to uh, to play him this week. You know, it's just I can't remember the last time I've seen two. Tw- well, I think it was 87. I saw the stat was the last time we saw two NFL teams that are more than 20 plus point favorites in the same week. Um, and it's going to be crazy this week with with that with that Patriots Jets game. 
and then uh, the Dolphins Cowboys game too to to see how that uh, how that ends up. And it's going to be awesome to see how your team ends up this year, man. With uh, with the team in ninth place in the FFPC main event. I know you got a lot of football guys teams and and other main event teams that are that are definitely in contention for some serious prizes. Thanks so much for popping back on here with me this week, Rob. I, I wish you nothing but the best, and we'll talk again soon, man. Always fun, Balky. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.